a rich tradition. College Football Podcast is now live. Hello and welcome to a rich tradition college football podcast. I'm Spencer Van Horn. He's Robbie Stoltenpole. Two friends, one love, and that is college football. Roberto, how are you, my friend? I'm doing well, buddy. Uh, we are... I am two weeks, a week and a half, uh, about a week and a half away from, or yeah, a week and a half, a week and a half away from finals starting at my high school. So the school year is almost up, bud. Almost up. That's exciting. How many, uh, how many finals do you have to take this, this year? Well, to give, um, (laughs) I, I'll probably end up giving quite a bit, but I am so ready for the school year to be over with. It has just been so exhausting. Long and strenuous. Yes, very much so. All right, my friend. Lots to get to today. Lots of news notes to jump to. We left off with the NFL draft at our last meeting. Would you like to continue with the NFL draft? Kind of let that get us started on this week's episode. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, I don't have a ton for us to dive into when it comes to the the correlation to to college football. Um, we can we can start off this week with our show. Um, or I'm sorry, we can start off this week with uh, the listener answers and questions and stuff like that. Um, we only had a couple, so it it, it won't take long. Um, but uh, I okay. So he, here was my question, and and this can prompt anywhere you want it to go. Who are a couple of quarterbacks for this upcoming season that you could see that that could see a Kenny Pickett like rise for next year's draft? Now, that was the question, and here is the logic behind that question, Spencer. Um, last year, in January of last year, and this is based off of uh, my phone will. Oh, I love this based on off DraftKings. Okay, in January of last year. Coming into the season, January eighth, Kenny Pickett was not on their list of of people uh, with Heisman odds. Mm-hmm. He was not on the list. Okay, in any way, or at least of the, it, it looks like there's like fifty players here uh, of of the several players that are on there. And as we know, he went on to have an incredible season, was a Heisman finalist, and was a first round draft pick. Okay. Still may not have been very good for the NFL, but as far as college, very good, right? You would agree uh, yes, not 9.7 yards per attempt to only seven interceptions, 42 touchdowns, 67% pass completion. Uh, yes, he did, uh, he did very well last year. So this year, I wanted to ask who's going to do, do something like that this upcoming year. And I am, I've got – now, look, we're not going to play letter of the law here – where you're, the guy you mentioned can't be on this list. But I'm currently looking at the Heisman odds for this upcoming season. And I kind of just wanted to see if, you know, if anybody had an answer, like an oper- you know, a player to, to look out for. Um, like this even has, this even has uh, Zach Evans. It has, um, uh, what's, what's it called? Hey, Rick Gilbert is on here, <laughs> tight end for Georgia. Noah Sewell, linebacker for Oregon. Um, so, so there's definitely a vast array here. Um, you, is this a real answer? Or are you just joking? N- n- no. Uh, at, when I first wrote it down, I was like joke, but then, well, as I was typing, it was like, ha ha, this is funny. But then when I finished typing it and was ready to hit send, I was like, wait a minute. If, if we're going to go with Kenny Pickett kind of coming out of nowhere and mm-hmm. not nowhere necessarily, but certainly Kenny Pickett was not a 42 touchdown a season kind of guy. He threw 13, 13, and 12 mm-hmm. over the last three years in terms of touchdowns. So uh, Kenny Pickett was not overwhelming anybody. He There was a reason he wasn't on anybody's uh, draft board or on anybody's Heisman list because he just had been below average, average at best, uh, while they're at Pittsburgh. And I feel like Sean Clifford sort of fits that mold of a guy who – uh, has been not well respected. Uh, he's been probably above average while at uh, Penn State. He's done a little bit better in terms of touchdown to interception ratios than what 
uh, Pickett had put together. But I would imagine Sean Clifford's not high on anybody's draft boards. He's not high on anybody's Heisman uh, list right now. Penn State is hoping to go into a season where finally everything can kind of be settled down a little bit and they can focus on just being a football team, focus on, uh, you know, kind of getting themselves back on track for what James Franklin has want, uh, wanted to do. Obviously, the pandemic really uh, took them off the rails more so than maybe it did for a lot of other people. So, yeah, I think Sean Clifford could – I mean, if we're if we're trying to pick out people – to the letter of what Kenny Pickett was last year, I think Sean Clifford would fit that in a lot of ways. Whether or not he comes through is uh, is a whole nother whole nother discussion. So he is currently thirty fourth on the Heisman odds. So again, we're we're not going to play like some letter of the law. Oh, he doesn't count, you know. But I, I just think this is a fun exercise. But thirty fourth is, in my opinion, is deep enough for it to be kind of out of nowhere, just because of. Like Kenny Pickett was someone you and I knew about and talked about for the last two years as the pit quarterback. Now, he may not have been a common household name for college football fans. I mean, he is now because of what he did this past season. But but I think Sean Clifford's a very good answer. Because also, I'll tell you this much, if Sean Clifford did do it, it would impress me mightily. Especially since I think Sean Clifford's the one who's holding them back. So, so no, I think, I think, I think that's a great answer. Um, well, thank you. Um, my, my friend Brennan Parker, uh, he said Devin Leary from NC state. I like that suggestion. I hadn't had a chance to go look, but I like that suggestion. Me too. Um, uh, he's not in that first little group that I can, that I can see on the Heisman odds. Um, but no, De- Devin, like NC state has a really good chance this year to be something good that yes, they're losing their elite tackle, but they they're going to have guys everywhere else. And in an, in an ACC that is trying to play this basically like they're restructuring all of themselves. Um, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I well, think this is a good thing. So the only thing that would take Devin Leary out of the running from the way I've structured this in my head since reading your question, and I know you've got a different idea in mind, is the only thing that takes him out of the running is he was 35 touchdowns and five interceptions last year. Now, certainly taking another step and then sort of being thrusted into the national spotlight and having draft expectations and Heisman expectations, I think he certainly counts. But he has certainly not had, a, I guess, a mediocre career for North Carolina State up to this point. You know, he's not somebody who's been sort of simmering and just kind of not really living up to expectations or anything along those lines. He had a really good year for them uh, this past season, so like a – you know, sixty-five point seven percent pass completion. Um, I, I would love to see another step forward, but he's definitely has kind of already—I um, won't say arrived, but he's definitely made an impact in the ACC, uh, very much like what Kenny Pickett did last year for for Pitt. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, and then our boy Russell Hansen. Um, I haven't talked to Russell in forever. Um, hope you're doing well, buddy. Um, he said Tyler Van Dyke, and I think this is kind of like the Kenny Pickett thing. Not well, not to the degree of coming out of nowhere, but like I don't think a lot of average, just average Joe College football fans know who Van Dyke is. He is like in the he is tenth on the Heisman odds right now, but I do think he's not. A, I I really do think he's not a name that a lot of people know of, but they will. Like they're they're going to know who Tyler Van Dyke is after this season. I mean, would, yeah, would kinda, you kind of would you kind of agree with that? Yeah, I think kind of like how Devin Leary is. I think if you're an ACC fan, you certainly are aware of who these guys are. If you're a college football fan, you're definitely aware of Van Dyke. Um, and I think going into the season, you certainly are. But yeah, from a household name standpoint or a you know a national standpoint all over the place, yeah, I, I think I could – I think I could buy those guys, but again, I think they kind of separate themselves from Kenny Pickett a little bit from that from that element of not having the, you know, just sort of the ordinary career and then a huge explosion. I mean, Van Dyke really he he turned some major college football heads uh, this past season for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, so so for me, someone who I think could I, I'm going to cheat. I have two here. I've um, got another one as well. Okay, mine is Will Rogers Ooh. from from Mississippi State. Yeah. Just he, they were I'm going y'all going to hear me say this over and over again. Mississippi State returns more players than any other team in Power 5 and they return a quarterback who I think is actually really good. 
um, they just play in the SEC West. Like, there's just going to always be this huge hurdle for them to get over. And and the second one, man, this is going to be a little controversial. And so tell me what you think about this. Talia Tagovailoa. Okay. Nope. I don't hate that at all. Everybody knows, everybody knows who his brother is. Everybody, you know, a lot of people was tracking him because it was rumored that he was the right-handed Tua. He was more, you know, he was more athletic than Tua was. And the last two years in Maryland have not been great. I would also argue, um, I would argue that last year he, he, yes, he was not amazing, but also he got hit. His teams have got hit, or I'm sorry, his receivers got hit with injury bugs, hardcore, and his offensive line was what I can only describe as wet tissue paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I, I just think, man, I, I think Talia could be that guy. So th- those are my two. So, um, obviously, the other name I thought of, because I think he's going to have a different group of people around him this upcoming season, obviously uh, benefiting from the transfer portal, but it feels as though Bo Nix has to be at least somewhere on this. Did you have to? This converse- yeah. Did you have yes, to I did. Up? So, I think he's somewhere in this conversation. His name is obviously well-known. From the Oregon game at the very beginning of his career, the game that he never was able to live up to at Auburn. So Wait, he, he, he's played in a game before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> exactly there at, at Auburn down down south here, just a, five hours away from your hometown. So yeah, yeah so I think Bo Nix has to be brought up here as well from a production standpoint, from a living up to his hype standpoint that he's never been able to do. He's got a different crew around him now much different uh, set of offensive weapons and offensive line and all those things could really go a long way. I think he had a good spring. So um, I think Bo Nix has to be put on this, this list uh, in certain regards, at least. I'll allow You're it. welcome. You're I'll welcome. Also just wanted to point out really quickly. Um, I made the joke with my, my buddy Cody and my brother, Corey Stetson Bennett, the fourth. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. It was just a joke, but, Anyway, um, what's the next thing we got, man? Well, do you want to jump on the draft real quick since you said you only had a few things for it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so Georgia ends up – I'll mention the Georgia piece. 15 players drafted um, most of the, the I guess, quote-unquote, modern era. Um, there's just and, – and, and the cool part was is that a lot – like they also had offensive players drafted too. <laughs> you know, it wasn't just the defense. Um, I – you know, we talked about last week. Um, we were sh- surprised that um, Nicobe Dean hadn't been drafted yet. Then goes on and gets drafted in the third round, which was you know kind of eye popping as well. What wh- like whenever you think of this year's draft and the talent that's leaving, not just Georgia but leaving in general, were there any kind of teams that you were kind of like, man, y'all y'all may be in trouble next year because of what you're losing. Yeah, so I think Cincinnati has to be at, uh, around the top of that list. Mm-hmm. They they sent nine players to the NFL last year. Obviously, what, the number four or five overall pick in Sauce Gardner. Mm-hmm. Uh, their quarterback, Desmond Ritter, is, is a big piece to the puzzle. So nine, uh, seven other people along with those two. Somebody asked the question I, I saw online that, you know, is Cincinnati going to be able to go undefeated again? And it just seems that's a tall task um, after losing that much. Uh, Luke Fickles. Did you say the number? Say again. Did you say the number they had drafted? Yeah, nine. Nine. Yeah, okay. I, I just couldn't remember. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh, so a lot of people feel like, you know, can Luke Fickle go undefeated again? And we'll we'll see what he's made of and just what he's built, because that's obviously, I guess, the next test for Kirby, the next test for a lot of different people uh, or a lot of different programs. Sort of how can you sustain losing a a large number of people to the draft or to the transfer portal. So yeah, Cincinnati's a, is a, is a group that I think this upcoming season will, we'll see what Luke Fickle's made of from a building standpoint after losing nine people to the NFL. Yeah, no, I, th- I think that's a great answer. Uh, for me was Penn state. Um, Penn state had one of the most, uh, one of the most uh, drafted teams in the country, um, specifically on the defensive side of the ball. And I just, man, and and the thing is, man, as these guys were getting drafted, I had forgotten about some of them. 
not because of them being bad or anything like that. I just forgotten about them because we're 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 a couple months we're a few months away from the season just ending, from the from the season ending, and Penn State just didn't have the most memorable season. I I'm I I I for one think that Penn State offensively should be better this year, but man, they're losing a lot on that defensive front seven, and I'm really curious if they're going to be able to recreate what they had last year. So we already mentioned Georgia at 15. Uh, Cincinnati is at nine. Robbie's Penn State is at eight. LSU is the second most with 10. Alabama and Oklahoma had seven players. Ohio State, Baylor, Ole Miss, and UCLA all had six players go. I think Baylor could be an interesting one to keep an eye on. Uh, Dave Naranda losing six players to the NFL. It's not a gigantic number, but at the same time, you know, how do you replace some of those key pieces, some of those key players uh, on your roster? Uh, that'll be something for a, a new head coach there. You, I guess, say the same thing for Lane Kiffin there uh, at Ole Miss also. Yeah. So, Spencer, since we're talking about players drafted from certain schools, let me um let me read you some schools, okay? Syracuse, West mm. Virginia, mm-hmm. Colorado, Duke, Vandy, TCU, Louisville, Arizona, and Texas. Mm. Do you know what they all have in common? I don't know, Robbie. Why don't you tell us what they all have in common? They all have in common the fact that Valdosta State University had more players drafted than they did. Mm. Mm. Combined. Mm. Preach. Valdosta State Blazers, baby. So it's. I think it's interesting, this sort of draft or the sort of, um, oh my goodness, the, the, the PR. Oh man, I'm blanking on words that I'm trying to use now. The the momentum you can get from just having just one player drafted, and mm-hmm. BSU's not the only one. There's a lot of other smaller schools. Uh, Tennessee Chattanooga, I think, was a was one of those schools as well. There's several groups that had somebody drafted, of uh, you know, from a smaller program, and that is really using. There's a graphic out there. I think you shared it with me at one point that has all those schools that didn't have somebody drafted, and then all the schools that did have somebody drafted. And VSU was on that graphic. And uh, that can go a long way to uh, go a long way to promoting those smaller schools and putting them in front of kids' faces that maybe didn't have them there uh, before. I think it's also a big hit to Steve Sarkeesian and, and what he's trying to do at Texas. It's I don't think it's something that's completely his fault. Yeah. But at the same time, it's one of those things that becomes an uphill battle for him because Oklahoma and A and M uh, and you know everybody else and their brother can say, hey, Oklahoma, Texas. Texas isn't sending people to the NFL because they're not developing you. Yeah, you're, you're a five-star guy. You're going to go over there, and yeah. they're not going to bring you along. You, you know, that's a great point. And on the inverse, you know who was developing talent and and doesn't have a job right now? Who's that? Coach O. Yeah, dude, three straight years, three straight years of of so much talent like drafted. They have almost thirty players drafted. Over three years, and yeah. and look, he he was a, he he was doing crap, shady stuff on the back end. He couldn't win games. I understand that. Okay, he was not a great in-game coach, and we realize more and more of how much that team, Dave Aranda and them, did for that team in between games. But you know who? But but I mean, I gotta give the guy t- credit, man. He was definitely helped them building, building up talent while he was there. Yes, for sure. I think that goes a long way for. Um, and, and maybe that goes a long way for the staff that he's been putting together, which maybe Steve Sarkeesian is, is putting together a better staff, uh, at Texas and, you know, they can bring things along and get to where they want to go. But, uh, yeah, as of right now, I think that's a big hit as much as it helps places like VSU and others to have a player drafted, even if it's just one player, I think it hurts that much more for a West Virginia who's building under Neil Brown TCU. We can sort of see what maybe some of the remnants of, you know, Gary Patterson's last few years as in terms of what he wasn't able to accomplish. So, um, so I mean, those things are uh, TCU and, and, and West Virginia. So I think that's, uh, that's one of those, I guess, snapshots of just how things are going at those programs then puts them in a tough spot going forward. Yeah. All right. That's all I really had. And I'm trying to think if I had anything else for the draft that I didn't end up writing down, and I don't think, I don't believe that I do. So I think we're we're good to move on. Okay. 
any any thoughts on Emory Jones transferring to Arizona State? I was a little shocked, kind of thinking, is that really a program I want to go? I mean, I know the NCAA doesn't come down with their sanctions very quickly, but I don't want to test it. I feel like that would be shaky grounds to go to. And so I'm interested to learn more about why he chose Arizona State, uh, seeing as there seems to be a black cloud hanging over that program. Um, yeah, man, it, it really does. Um, also, I'm just curious at who did want him. You know, uh, that too, yeah. But he fits the MO of what Arizona State wants. They want a they want a very mobile quarterback who can throw the ball deep. You may not be able to throw the ball seven yards, but you can throw the ball sixty yards. Yeah, and that is definitely what Emory Jones can do. Um, so I mean, good luck to him. For sure. All right, all right. So next up, uh, ESPN had an article uh, about Miami investing in football. And uh, we've certainly, since I guess the end of last year and, and kind of hiring Mario Cristobal, we sort of knew that there was a, a bigger emphasis on investing in football, providing resources to football, that Miami had been behind and not spending money. And now they are spending money on football and they've got their coach. And this article even details that they've got their athletic director that they want to really help build facilities and such. One thing that's in the article, though, that has mentioned or that they mention about why they've been able to invest and why it's been a little easier. They've certainly gotten outside money from Mario Cristobal, like friends who are business owners in Miami. They've certainly helped with the investment, but the university itself is just able to help a lot more because they have excess money right now after their health system, their university health system is handled uh, the pandemic really well. And so they've got profits of 300 to 400 million dollars and they're able to put more money towards football. I've had a I've had a and I'm sure they've projected this so they probably got all this under control but it's just a thought to me what happens over the next few years what do those earnings look like and then how much money are they still able to funnel into football like if they're able to put a big influx in now how does that taper back? And does that slow down the process at all? Or will, you know, Mario's big buddies, you know, kind of make up the difference? I'm sort of wondering, you got a surge from the pandemic. What happens when there's no more pandemic, I guess, for uh, for Miami to, for that health system to really earn all that money, that extra well, money? Well, I, I, would, I would say that pandemic aside, we have, I mean, I, I, at least – Okay, look, we we have our friend Russell, who him and his um his bride they they live down there. She actually is a nurse down there, correct? Am I wrong in that? That well, they're in Savannah now. Oh, well, I didn't know he moved. All right, my fault. So she but went yeah, to Miami. She, she went to Miami. She is she went to Miami. She served down there. She was a hurricane, cocaine's, um, and so they may actually have more to say on this. But my friend Bunkley, David Bunkley, who actually works for Emory Health Services here in the state of Georgia, who is a huge. Miami fan and knows all about the medical services down there in Miami. He has talked about for years, we're talking about prior to COVID years before COVID, maybe a decade before COVID that he, he knew that they should, they could be doing a lot more. They could be making a lot more money off of the medical services in that realm. And that he thought that they were going to start doing so. And, and I, I'm just curious, is it the fact that they were brought in more revenue or is it now they have access to that revenue? Yeah, because I think they bought the the thing that they've converted and that's helping them that's helping them earn all this money in the uh, in the article they bought in 2017. They bought a healthcare system in mm-hmm. or a healthcare building company, whatever, in Miami, and uh, I think that happened in 2017. They did have to um, divert a lot of resources to it at the beginning. And that's kind of where this question, kind of my concern gets fueled at, is at the beginning or at the start of all this, there was a lot of resources pushed to this medical center and and kind of getting it up and running and or revitalizing it, whatever it took. And then the pandemic hit, and then they get this surplus, they handle everything very, very well, and they make all this money. So I'm I'm just interested when that extra money is not there and they have to – you know, things kind of level themselves back out. What uh, what does it look like from a 
revenue generating standpoint for uh, for Miami? No, I don't know. I mean, I think I think it's a good question. I I also it, it goes back to what I what I said though I, a minute ago. I I wonder if the money's always always the the money's always kind of been there, and they just haven't allowed the school to touch it. Yeah. And, and and that'll and yes, yeah, so that would go into the athletic director and the new thoughts from the president and and Mario Cristobal as well as they're they're requesting it. They're making a push for it. Yeah, I mean, it because look, it, can we can we talk about the other question that you that you texted me? You want to? Yeah, yeah, I was gonna. Too? Yeah, I was gonna. I was gonna get to that next. Yes, because 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 to me it t- ties in together. If Miami can get access to that money. And continuously get access to that money the way they are now. And they are invested in the school the way they should be and in the athletics. And in the and, and we're talking about from the college football perspective, so no offense, lacrosse. I'm not talking about you right now. But if they're able to get access to that money the way they seem to have been able to, yes, I think Miami can be very beneficial for a very long time. And they can go back to being – I don't know if they can go back to being 2000, you know, 2000, 2002 – Miami or the eighties Miami team. Um, because I, I do think there are, there are more, there are different hurdles now than there was during those two eras. And and that leads me to your question. Go ahead and throw that question out there. So I was thinking about this earlier and you've touched on a little bit of it. Is it possible for all three Florida schools to dominate again, like they did in the nineties? So just for reference, Four national championships in the 90s between the three schools, 294 wins, top 10 finishes or top five finishes that comes to about like 16 or 17 top 10 finishes, 10 for Florida State, six or seven for uh, for Florida, and then like four or five more for the uh, for the Hurricanes. So, yeah, I mean, you're, you're looking at 20 top top five finishes incredible decade for the state of Florida between those three universities. Is it possible for them to get back to that now that Miami has the money flowing in Billy Napier's at Florida? Uh, I think there's some good things happening for Mike Norvell at Florida state. Could they, is this, are we watching, you know, could there be a beginning of the state of Florida sort of taking back over college football? Don't get mad at me for being negative, but never. But no, I, and why I don't, is that? because I think college football is way different now than it was during the nineties. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot more parity across the board in a, in a lot of ways. I'm not talking about who wins the titles. I'm talking about like just teams are a lot better across the board. Also during that time, you didn't have to really worry about you UCF or USF. You didn't really have to worry about Georgia going into your state and taking players. You didn't have to worry about Bama going into your state and taking players. You didn't have to worry about Clemson going into your state and taking players. You didn't need. You didn't worry about a lot of these other teams going into your state and taking players. I mean, Miami literally locked down that southern region of Florida. And I just don't know. Yes, there's more money, and yes, we all know we're going to talk about NIL here in a minute. But for me, I could see one or two of them. I could not see all three of them again because also all three or two of them are in the same conference. And also Florida, Florida has two or three, depending on how you view A&M and LSU has two or three juggernauts keeping them from being in that place again, where Florida or Florida state and Miami have each other. And then obviously they have a conference that they could take full advantage of. But I, I, it just would be hard for me to see all three of them being in that elite tier again. Yeah, and I and I agree ultimately for okay. for almost everything that you've already touched on. Uh, the 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 attention in your state is not what it used to be, or at least it's different. And you'd have to push those people out. Now maybe you can push Clemson out because you have a direct competition with them. You've got it on the field, and Dabo Sweeney just changed up his staff maybe there's an opening there to push them out nick saban could be retiring in the next few years maybe there's an opportunity to push him out or push alabama out uh what if brian kelly doesn't catch on at lsu what if jimbo fisher doesn't catch on and and sort of capitalize on the momentum that he has going i think it's certainly possible 
But like you said, maybe it's more like two of them instead of all three of them because, again, you're still looking at Georgia doesn't seem to be slowing down anytime soon, and you're still going to have to battle between the three of you. There's, you know, we mentioned LSU and, and Kelly, uh, Brian Kelly not catching on, but nobody really believes that that's going to happen. He's going to take, I mean, he's probably going to go really well, uh, do really well there at Louisiana State. So there's going to be two guys right there that'll be in your state with two prominent programs. Ohio State doesn't look like they're slowing down, so they'll be in the state and stay there as well. So, and as long as Nick Saban's at Alabama, things aren't slowing down there either. So I agree with you. Uh, there's too much going on in the state from a competition standpoint for the players themselves that all three of them getting back uh, is probably going to be a really tall task. Yeah. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I just don't know what else to add because – No, I, no, and I think we're done. I think that, that is – I think that's I, the answer. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head. I mean, it it's – I'm just trying to think of any other state that has multiple schools. Like, I mean, just same thing over in like California. I don't think we're ever going to see a spot where Cal, U, UCLA, and, and USC are all really good, you know. Um, but they have different they have different issues at Florida than the state of Florida does. But anyway, all right, what you what you got next, Ben? So I think we'll start. Uh, Mark Emmert retired last week. We talked about name, image, and likeness, and and the or actually, excuse me, we talked about the future of college football. I think some of that has to do with the way the name, image, and likeness rules are kind of off the off the rails right now. SI.com had an article earlier this week talking about uh, a task force, a rules task force for uh, the Board of Governors, essentially there uh, with the NCAA, and that uh, some rules are coming down the pike to – uh, you know, to sort of help facilitate name, image, and likeness, kind of what we thought the NCAA was going to do before or initially and then never did. Uh, it sounds like that stuff's coming uh, here within the next couple of weeks as the Board of Governors is uh, putting some stuff together. I think they've got some meetings coming up and then should be ready uh, to add some guidelines, some guardrails, whatever you want to call it, to name, image, and likeness. Um, did you see this? Ross Dellinger just dropped a new thing. Okay, um, go ahead. I, I, it, I mean, whew, it's, it's a, it's a long, kind of, it's kind of a long article. Uh, college leaders urging NCAA to enforce new NIL get or new NIL guidelines or else. Um, more specific officials reveal to SI.com more specifics on new NIL guidelines that are expected to publish next week. Okay, um, okay, so. I'll just I'll just do the little clip that he has here. It says it's going to be retroactive. Schools with boosters who have communicated struck deals with players who haven't signed yet with schools should be sanctioned. AD said. Um, so that's just one thing. Apparently, new guidelines are going to be published very soon. But they are these college leaders are blunt. Athletic directors are bluntly telling the, the NCAA enforce these guidelines or else. Um, now, what I find hilarious about this, and I know this is where you kind of wanted to go. What's hilarious is that you had freaking you had 70 years to, to set something up heck we'll, we'll be more fair you had two years you knew nil was coming two years prior to it being to to, to be made uh, made legal and you did nothing you sat on your hands and you let it you let it be a state issue and now you're going to freaking congress and trying to get them taken care of it and you, you you didn't you didn't think things through, and so you've had the purge for the last freaking year, and everyone's been able to kind of do whatever the heck they want, including this, including this, uh, the Zay Flower story, which we can include in this conversation. And now all of a sudden, you want to play big dog and go to the NCAA and tell them you do this or else? Man, screw you guys! You had yeah. so much, you had so much time to take care of this. Right. Yeah. There's sort of a why now. Uh, and I bet some of it's because the coaches have finally started to maybe bark upwards and say, okay, now it's here, and this is what's actually taking place that, you know, hey, here's here's the actual stuff. Here's what's actually happening. Look, this is no longer speculation. This is no longer hearsay. This is no longer, you know, a theory. It is happening. This is – it's playing out in front of our eyes. Do something about it because it's getting out of control. Uh, so maybe those things have been barked by the coaches. Maybe the fan bases have helped out as well. Uh, the outcry. 
But yeah, no, I agree. Where has this been at ahead of time? Because I, everybody kept saying slippery slope, slippery slope. This is all a slippery slope. Well, how come we, again, wasn't anybody getting out in front of it? I wonder how much Mark Emmert stepping down is is a big piece to this. Maybe athletic, maybe people didn't think they could go to him, perhaps. I just, yeah, and, and, then, and then like the whole retroactive thing, like really, you want to retroactively punish someone who wasn't doing something, like they were doing something that wasn't a rule against yet? What? Yeah, and maybe that's just trying to be harsh. You know, that's trying to drop the hammer down big time to say, okay, we got to cut this out. You know what I'm saying? Uh, yeah, like I you get know what, what you're saying. saying. Like, like that's yeah. that's that's asinine to me. Like that's that is that is legitimately like my son going and getting a cookie out of our R2D2 cookie jar and eating it, g- g- eating one after dinner. You know, for the for the last couple of nights, and then tomorrow, Lisa and I wake up and we decide, you know what, you can't have cookies until after you've had a bath after dinner, and we're gonna punish you. And spank you for e- every day that you have eaten that cookie before taking a bath, right? Like th- th- that's stupid. Yeah, that is stupid. And then, ironically enough, we—I'm just now looking at the fact that Will Bazar came out yesterday. Bazar came out yesterday and said Texas is in the process of putting together a three million dollar NIL deal to, sw- to sway Cincinnati, Cincinnati's defensive end Osiv Josai. Now, I will say this: something does need to change. Okay, I, I completely agree. We've got we've got that going on. We've got the Zay Flowers thing where he uh, apparently he he said this in an interview openly that um he said openly that he turned down two NIL company deals of three hundred thousand and one six hundred thousand dollar deal to go to a different to go to a specific school and he turned it down because of quote loyalty towards Boston College. Sorry, bud. Don't buy that for a second, especially when you're throwing out numbers. If you're throwing out numbers and then you want to say loyalty, no, they paid you and you got loyalty. So um, especially with Zay Flowers' specific story, like he's like the 11th of 14 kids and he, he's he got a single parent. So like obviously he needs money and he should get money because he's a very good player. But and then, and then obviously the Addison thing going on, which I don't remember – if we talked about this last week, but Jordan Addison is in the transfer portal. It has been um, is been kind of very open, whether through an agent, through his people, whoever the crap. But they have been very public about the numbers that have been thrown his way, including a possible three million dollar deal for him to go to a different school, which many believe to be USC. Yeah, so I think we I both agree. Like I'm sorry. So I think we both agree that we need. Guidelines. I think that that's always been the agreeance that mm-hmm. this needs to have rules and regulation. And I think we've always been irritated with the NCAA that, hey, why aren't you doing more to get out in front of this? You can go to Congress and get them to help you out, but why aren't you putting up sort of the, the first set of levies here as this av- avalanche comes through? Why are you not putting up something to help your universities, to help athletic directors, coaches, whatever it is. So, yes, uh, the rules aspect of this or the fact that we're getting some rules for this is good and it's what we need. So I think it's a little different on the retroactive spot because the article for SI.com does mention that there are certain rules that have been in place about inducement and that you're not supposed to be using this as an inducement to lure players away and, and bring recruits away. So maybe that's where that retroactive part is coming through, that these rules have been on the books. We've been crappy at enforcing them, which, again, you can make the argument isn't everybody else's fault that you weren't paying attention to everything going wrong. So it is sort of a a lowball move, but at the same time, hey, the rules have been on the books. If you're not following them and haven't been following them and, and the teachers now walk back in the room, well, now everybody's got homework or extra homework or detention, whatever. That sounds like what they're doing, and to a degree, from a bringing the hammer down hard the first time to kind of get people to stop doing this and really set the tone of, hey, there's a new sheriff in town with Mark Emmer out and this board of governors and this change in the NCAA, part of me doesn't hate it because I want to see the guidelines in place and I want to see all of this be done the right way. Players get their money, but it's happening the right way instead of a free-for-all wild, wild west. Yeah, I, 
you know, that's a, that's a good point. Um, I, I understand that they're trying to say certain rules and look, look, look okay. Let, let's talk about the Jordan. Let's talk about the Addison thing. Okay. Pittsburgh. Look, I, I feel for you. Okay. I really do. I just want to know, did you feel bad when you poached Akron's number one receiver last year? Did, were you, were you, were you complaining then who wasn't in the transfer portal? And, and then, and then it leaked that he announced prior to be even in the transfer portal that he was transferring to Pittsburgh. Like, did you feel bad then? Uh, I, that's a, that's a jab, but I mean it's it's an accurate thing. But then also, like, I have no freaking problem with Addison wanting to leave Pittsburgh to go because he's got his OC's gone, his his number one, his first round pick quarterback is gone. I get it. I get you wanting to leave, especially in your final year of college of eligibility for you go to draft. My problem has nothing to do with him wanting to transfer somewhere else. My issue takes place with the fact that he is being, he's being bribed. He is being coaxed. He's being whatever you want to call prior to his name being put in the portal. There is no conversation because Danny Cannell will even tell you two days prior to his name actually being in the transfer portal, he interviewed Pat Narduzzi, and Narduzzi said that we're good. He's staying here. He Narduzzi was under the impression that everything was fine, that he was going to be there. And then he, and then, and then, and then these massive numbers get leaked that he, and he's going to go to USC and and all this stuff. Like USC is not the bad guy here, by the way, folks. I mean, plenty of people have been paying. Georgia, Alabama have been playing paying players for years. I am not against that. I'm against now that we have everything out in the open, I think that things should be above board. And this just is shady and it's crappy. And I don't like it. Yeah. Uh agreed. So and and we're all clear that this this is an indu- an inducement thing that we don't like. Players have been getting paid. We've been fine with that. There's even been I understand that there's even been bag men who have who have done certain things with, you know, giving recruits money to come to places and those different things. But I think this is a lot different when you're start talking about millions of dollars being tossed around for certain players, you know, versus a handful of a couple of thousand dollars or whatever the bags were back in the day. This is certainly different than what it used to be. So yes, Jordan Addison, by all means, go get your money. We've got to cut out this inducement part of the, a part of the storyline, though, and you're absolutely right as well. Um, Pat Narduzzi is going to utilize the transfer portal to the best of his ability. You're going to take players from other places if you can. Uh, every program's going to do what they can to try to make their program the better program. So, yeah, you can you can scream and shout how unfair it is, but you would turn right back around and and next year you do it in a heartbeat if you had a chance to land somebody from Ohio State or whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So that pretty much covers the one other uh, article. I think there's Greg Sankey and um, Kaliakoff, the Pac-12 commissioner, are supposed to be going to Capitol Hill. Either they're in there already as of Thursday when we're recording or they're on their way, whatever whatever the specifics are. The Congress aspect of this that Mark Emmert has been chasing the entire time, spent all of his time chasing, seems to be a part of this as well, that Greg Sankey and other uh, and another commissioner are trying to go and talk to Capitol Hill and see if they can't get Congress to sort of help move things along from a national standpoint or a federal standpoint to see what they can do to to help, you know, again, move things along. The issue is, and, we, and obviously we're not going to get into specifics, Congress is kind of busy right now with some other things, and there I believe we've got elections coming up here pretty soon as well. So it kind of feels – obviously they're going to go, and I guess they have their meetings scheduled, and maybe they've had meetings scheduled for a long time, and they're just – it's just the, they've run into a bad spot here with other other things that are really important. Are you going to be able to get this through the way that you want to, Greg Sankey and, and uh, Kaliakoff? While there's so much else going on, you know, in in Congress with the country and with uh, elections and all those things, so um, I guess that remains to be seen. 
yeah. I, th- I mean, I think Sankey actually released a statement saying that the meetings were beneficial and more to come. You know, the okay, the, good, okay, the, the the typical, typical, you know, PR, you know, or I'm sorry, PC, you know, statement. Um, we'll we'll see what happens. I mean, look, I'll say this. I, I as far as I've seen, if Greg Sankey wants something, he gets it. So that's true. It, it, I mean, if he's pushing for this to happen as well, I imagine it will happen. Yeah, and like and like I said, those these meetings could have been scheduled a long time ago, and yeah, absolutely. Uh, before before things you know got heated in there, uh, you know, before things turned around. All right, Rob, I think I'm out of things too, to discuss. Uh, anything else on your end? No, man. Uh, Multiverse of Madness tomorrow. Super oh, excited. Goodness. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping uh, everybody can keep their mouth shut online. Oh, oh man, I'm. It has been hearing some of my friends tell me about the stuff they've had spoiled for them. This is why I have the one trailer rule. Like, yeah, I, and I've I've played along with that a little bit here too recently of not really wanting to pay attention uh, to certain things. I think right at the very beginning, something got mentioned to me, you know, about a a theory or a rumor. And so I've not really wanted to see anything else because I feel like they're getting closer and closer to maybe hinting at that thing. So I, I just would like to go and watch. One of the comic book things I follow on Instagram mentioned, you know, there's scientific data now that proves spoilers are in, you know, take away from the from the viewing experience of something like this or yep. Game of Thrones, whatever yep. else. Yeah, I mean, it. the... I, I'll, I'll never understand the people who say like, oh, they don't care if something's spoiled or having these three minute trailers and watching every one of them. Like I, there's just there's just no one who can make me believe that that's not that doesn't detour from from an experience that you or I may have who have only seen very little. Like just no one's ever going to make me believe otherwise. Well, um, and, and I'll I'll go back to, to I think we said this a couple of weeks ago when Cap picked up the hammer in mm-hmm. Endgame. I had no idea that was coming, and I'm sure yeah. that that was a rumor. I'm sure that there were people speculating that that might happen because it's kind of been hinted at in other movies that you know Cap might pick the hammer up, and so he finally does, and it was this gigantic – like I, I'm getting chills t- talking about it right now because yeah. it was that cool when I first watched it, and I think I still – if I'm getting the chills now, I think it's because I didn't know it was happening that first time. Do you – okay, so I don't know if you know this, but you were part – you and I have been friends a long time. Did you know that? Did you know that we've been friends a long time? Uh, kind of. Okay. <laughs> anyway, so you were in the theater the night that we saw Avengers together. The very the, when Ave- the first Avengers movie came out, you were there. Okay. Mm-hmm. You, me, and you remember the the clan that we used to go with, right? Right. Uh, and I had only seen one trailer going into that movie. Every and so when when Hulk comes out of nowhere and saves Tony when Tony's falling from the sky. I lose my crap with excitement and you and Corey look right over at me and say, Robbie, that was in the trailer. I had not seen that in the trailer. So for me, it was the first time I had seen it. First time I'd even considered it or thought about it. It was awesome to me. And, and so the same thing goes for what you're talking about. Not to the same degree. Cause that, that hammer moment is legendary, but, but you know what I'm saying? Like, well, yeah, I mean that happened so long ago. I don't, I don't recall. The, not, not that moment. Not, yeah, you don't remember that specific, moment. Yeah. But, 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 but remembering stuff like that, and and the same thing like happens here too, man. I, I'm just telling you, I am, I am so glad that I have heard. I, I unfortunately know one name, one word, because it was apparently mentioned in a trailer and one of the trailers, and someone has tweeted it, and so I only know that one thing. But everything else, I have, I have blocked, ignored from Twitter. Um, I did have a buddy tell me that <laughs> that he would he he told me that I was probably going to have to leave uh, leave the theater for a few minutes out of excitement um, a couple of times <laughs> after seeing because he saw it today. But he also told me that something that I he said, Robbie, you predicted this five years ago, and you're right. And I was and I did not ask what he was talking about because I don't want to know. Because I don't remember, because I've said a lot of things. I say a lot of things, um, but I am I'm very, very, very excited to 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 see this film, 
and all that it would behold. I'm excited as well. I think I'm going on Sunday, so we'll we'll uh, I'll have we'll to, chat. I'll have to keep my Lisa my, and I also Lisa and I are watching the season finale of Moon Knight tonight. So yeah, have fun. Have you seen it yet? Yeah. You don't sound happy. Well, I just I don't know. I, you're you're the first person I've heard talk about it that well, wasn't like super excited. Well, I just. I don't know. It just, it felt like we were, it felt like we were moving at a, maybe I'd have to go back and rewatch it. I, I try not to be harsh about these things because maybe I just, things go over my head and I don't catch certain stuff, but felt like we were moving at one pace and then we hit the gas pedal and started moving at another pace. Kind of like we maybe needed a few more episodes to set other things up and blah 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 well, I, and, well, well marvel's again. had marvel's had that issue from the from the get-go they cannot for the life of them figure out the right number of episodes or right length of episodes um as far as time per episode they cannot decide on the right way there's either been too fast or too slow for almost every show they've had yeah and it feels like the pace starts out one way and then it finishes up the other way i've I've, it's funny because I get the impression that maybe they've taken movie ideas and have tried to turn them into shows, and in certain areas they have to stretch it out too far, and then in other areas they move too quickly through things, um, if that makes any sense at all. so No, it does. It does. I mean, it, it's it's my problem with uh, – it's one of my problems with Loki. It's one of my problems with, uh, with Cabin Winter Soldier, even though that has multiple problems for me, but – um, yeah, that one that one's at the bottom of the list for me, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there's a lot of problems with that movie. All right, um, let's uh, let's get out of here, and we can talk more next week after we've seen some shows and movies. Very good. All right, uh, he's Robbie Spider Dude sixty four on Twitter. Spencer underscore Van Horn V A N H O R N. Uh, that's uh, again on Twitter. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe. Two friends, one love, and that. It's college football. We'll catch on the flip flop. Later. Later.